Hello and welcome to the Kinetic Fitness Show, where we inspire you to live a longer, healthier, happy, and more joyful life. We cover everything you need to know to be optimally healthy in your mind, body, and spirit. Are you ready to become the ultimate version of yourself? Well, let's dive into another episode with your host and guide by your side, Allie West. Hello, everyone. Hello, beautiful people. How are we today? How are we doing? My name is Ali West. Thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to the Kinetic Fitness Show podcast. This is episode number 94. We're getting close. We're nearly at 100. As I said a few weeks ago, I have an amazing 100th episode lined up for you. It's going to be very special. I'm going to big up that episode leading up to it. There's going to be some goodies. There's going to be some things to win some giveaways so keep your ears open and your eyes peeled to this podcast and to my social media channels for information on episode 100 but we've got a way to go yet we've got a few episodes this is episode number 94 i have a fantastic guest for you today continuing on the theme of young entrepreneurs young on the fitness entrepreneurs my guest today is a very inspirational guy he's young he's hungry and he is trying to improve the health and well-being of people worldwide just like I am so this is a perfect match my guest today is someone that I've known for a good number of years before I introduce my guest don't forget to like follow subscribe to this podcast please if you can leave me a review particularly on Apple podcasts if you are listening to this on Apple or on iTunes hit me with a review reviews help me out massively and thirdly, don't forget to share this podcast. Sharing is super powerful. Tell one person about it. WhatsApp, text somebody, tell them to listen to the show or simply share it on your social media and tag me in it. Ali West Coach, A-L-I-W-E-S-T, Coach, C-O-A-C-H. Another announcement. My wife and I in the last lockdown set up the online coaching arm of our business. So now we can help coach people all over the world to improve their health and well-being and we have our own instagram page now which we set up this week so it's brand new go and check that out it is west coaching underscore w-e-s-t-c-o-a-c-h-i-n-g underscore west coaching underscore go and follow us check us out on instagram we're helping primarily women with our online coaching but if you're a guy still come and check us out because you're going to know some women that we can help with that in mind, on our coaching programs, we currently have some Black Friday discounts. We're leading into Black Friday. So if you're interested in our coaching program, then book a call with us. Hit the link in the description, book a call, fill out the application form, and we will do our very best to see if we can help you. Don't be shy. It's no obligation. It's completely free. Book in your call, and we will do our very best to help you with your health and well-being goals. The podcast is also now on YouTube. The YouTube channel is about a month or so old and I'm trying to grow the YouTube. So please go over to YouTube and subscribe and turn on the notifications. Subscribe to the channel, turn on the notifications, then you'll be updated with whenever I release a YouTube video. And YouTube videos are great because obviously a lot of the time, up until recently, this podcast was only audio. But now we're audio and video. So if you want to watch and listen, you need to go and check us out on YouTube. Again, the link is in the description or simply search for The Kinetic Fitness Show. That's it. 
I think that's all the announcements. We're on all the channels. Go and check us out. Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, the whole lot. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I do a lot on there. Ali West on LinkedIn. Let's get to today's episode. My guest today is Will Mellers Blair. And Will is the second Mellers Blair to come on the show. Way, way, way back when this podcast was a baby. I think it was episode four. I'm doing that off the top of my head. Maybe I should have checked. But it was one of the first episodes. I think it was episode four. We had Will's sister on, Carly, Carly Mellers Blair. We talked all about holistic health. Carly is doing some amazing, amazing work in the world of holistic health. So if you haven't checked that episode out, when you've listened to this one, go and check out episode, I think it's number four, with Carly Mellers Blair, where we discuss holistic health. But we've got the second Mellers Blair on now. We've got Will on. And I've known Will for about four or five years now. Through his sister, we got to know each other. And Will is super motivated, super driven. He is a high-performing, successful, young fitness entrepreneur. He's recently launched his own app, which is amazing and it's going crazy, which he's going to tell you a little bit more about. And he is mad into all forms of health, wellness, well-being, all of the stuff that we promote on this podcast. He looks after himself on all levels, mind, body, spirit. A bit about Will. Will is the co-founder and CEO of his company, Fitpack. Fitpack is an app. Don't worry, he's going to explain what it's all about in this episode. He's a nutrition and fitness expert with an obsession for human health optimization. We love that. Will has given talks and presentations on this topic at some of the top universities and institutions. His passion and tenacity to find solutions for human health and performance led him to found Fitpack with the goal to improve the lives of millions of people worldwide. At the age of 10, Will signed to play for football for Manchester United, one of the biggest football clubs in the world, and has been fascinated with human performance ever since, both on an athletic level and on a personal level. In 2013, he obtained a full scholarship from the University of Michigan to play and study in the United States. This was the start of his journey that has put him on a quest to find the perfect combination of nutrition, physical activity and mindfulness practices to help him reach peak performance as a student athlete and ultimately as a human being. Surrounded and mentored by world-renowned experts in the fields of clinical and performance nutrition and psychology, Will developed a unique comprehensive and holistic approach to health, which he has extensively tested on himself as well as thousands of other people as part of a structured beta testing program. And that would ultimately be the core of Fitpack, onwards and forwards. So what are you going to learn in this episode? What will Will share with you and what do we discuss? So we talk about Will's story and what professional and athletic performance taught him from a very young age. Being signed at the age of 10 to play for Manchester United and what that taught him going through his teens and into adulthood that he could apply in everyday life. We also discuss his company and his app Fitpack, what it's all about. Also how he's leveraging technology, in particular AI, to make this app 
so powerful but to reach people all over the world as well very much in the way that liam who was on the show last week is using ai with his company as well we also talk about will's daily practices and habits that help him to be successful and look after his health and well-being on all levels we talk about mindset and discuss mindset and how powerful that is and why you need to get your mind healthy and set yourself goals that you can achieve and also we talk about little things that you can do to improve your health and well-being on all levels we talk about and discuss will's passion for reading and some of his favorite books we talk about the entrepreneurial mindset and what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur and we discuss health fitness well-being mindset on various different levels from a base level of nutrition and exercise all the way through to spiritual health so you're going to get so much from this episode i loved recording this episode will bring so much energy so much passion to health that it rubs off on everyone that is around and i know it's going to rub off on you guys listening in today so this is episode number 94 with will mellers blair enjoy the podcast today guys let's do it Will, how are you, mate? Welcome to the show. How's Thank it going? You. It's been a it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? Looking forward to yeah. being with you today. We've been trying to pin it down for a while, but we got there. We got, <laughs> we got there in the end. Yeah, and you're the second Mellis Blair to be on the the podcast. Amazing. Um, <laughs> I'm sure my sister had a lot to say as well. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So, um, loads I want to talk to you about, and loads I want to pick your brain on, but. Um, I thought a good starting point would be just to fill the listeners in on who you are, what you do, and probably a little bit of a backstory of, of, of where you've come from, and we'll just go from there, mate. That sounds good to me. So for those that don't know me already, uh, my name's Will Mellis-Blair. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Fitpack. Now, at Fitpack, we are building an artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, employee health system. Um, that can help organizations and uh, employees improve their productivity and performance. So we've been building this now for two and a bit years, and we're now moving through a seed round of investment, uh, which is going to be around $2 million to go and scale globally. Um, so a bit more about me. Uh, my background is, is football and academics, um, and I kind of swayed more towards the academics now. But back uh, when I was nine, I played for Manchester United. So I've kind of had a performance background since, since, since birth, really. It's been installed in my DNA. Um, and I guess being around such high pressurized environments and having to perform every day, all the time, you kind of build this like installation of good habits and performance-based habits. So over time, um, I played pro for a little bit. I was at Notts County for a little bit, Solihull, Mons for a little bit. Um, I played for Warsaw as a youth. Um, academy product but then I got offered a full academic scholarship to go to the States um, to go and continue my career playing football but also go and get a a degree Um, so I did a marketing communications degree and once I graduated in 2015 I just became fascinated with the idea of human optimization Um, how we can manipulate our human physiological and psychological body to become the best versions of ourselves so to speak so Uh, Since graduation, I've surrounded myself with world-renowned experts in clinical psychology, performance psychology, clinical nutrition, performance nutrition, habit formation, you know, the list goes on and on and on, um, because I had this vision of building 
you know, this algorithmic system that could essentially help every single individual, no matter where you're from, no matter what your goals are, no matter what your current health status is, no matter if you're a chronic disease sufferer or you're an elite, elite athlete, I want to build algorithms that could essentially take you from where you're at now to better health in the long term. Awesome. Amazing. Let's start with the, with the, with the app and the AI and the whole concept then. So where did that first come about? What was the the idea behind it? Did it just come to you out of the ether or like, how did it first start off? So my co-founder, well, one of my co-founders, there's three of us on the, on the founding team. Um, his name's James Carley. And when I graduated university, we both said to each other, look, one of us is going to have this idea because we're both into technology. We both love algorithms and building technology essentially. Um, and actually I'll give you the backstory. So September 24th, 2016, at 4.56 a.m., um, I woke up sweating profusely with this idea of Fitpack, right? Um, but back then, it was very blurry, very uh, distorted. I had no idea what it meant. It was just essentially, I want to create technology that can help individuals go from where they're at now, so their current health status, to better health. Again, like I said, very distorted, very disjointed at that point. And I had no idea what the next steps were. So over time, we founded the company in 2018. Uh, we did a year of beta testing to prove the short-term, medium-term, and long-term effects of the Fitpack concept. So I'll kind of tell you guys what the Fitpack concept is so you have more of an understanding. So the Fitpack concept is based on three pillars. And the pillars are plant-based nutrition. So no, not going vegan, but consuming more fruits and vegetables. Um, physical activity, so moving your body regularly and implementing mindfulness habits. So the, the amalgamation of these three components make up our concepts. Um, so I guess the concept really became concretized to us in 2017, but at the time we thought the market was quite slow than where we, we were at because plant-based at that time was considered, um, was considered nonsense and it was scrutinized quite a lot in the media. So we've had to wait until the media's caught up with us for us to gain social validation and traction. So where we're at now, uh, we have users all across the world, across six different continents, but we've recently repositioned the company as a B2B SaaS entity. And for those, that guy, for those of you that don't know what SaaS means, it's software as a service. So what we're doing now is we're taking the application as it is, going to organizations and working with heads of people, chief people officers, to ultimately help their organization become more produ productive and performance-based as a result of taking care of employee health, so to speak. Um, so now we're working with uh, global clinical organizations. I recently secured a clinical partnership to go and help a global type two diabetes intervention. So that's gonna be rolled out to the governments in China, Saudi Arabia and Luxembourg in October. Um, I've just recruited our Silicon Valley based uh, executive advisor, who's gonna be our CFO who's helped raise over 500 million in investment capital. So he's uh, introducing me to his network of investors and venture capitalists. Um, and also now I'm in the, in the process of obviously building our sales pipeline. And actually I've got a call on Friday with a company in Switzerland, a thousand employees, a company in Switzerland that are really um, intrigued to work with us. So in the space of a few months across the year, uh, we've gone from, operating on the application to now we've got amazing prospects clinically and commercially. So I'm very happy where we're at right now. Amazing. Tell me and the listeners and the viewers then about some of the, the functionality of Fitpack. So if I'm a, maybe a, a business owner and I want to implement this 
with my employees what's what's the functionality of it and then secondly mate probably what are the what are the benefits that that the organization or the end user is going to get good question so as it stands now we have got an MVP. So for those that don't know what MVP means, MVP stands for minimal viable product. And that's what was been developed a year ago. So the full functionalities of what the product's going to be in six months time, in 12 months time, isn't what it is now. So right now what we've got is essentially a health management tool. So I'll kind of give you an understanding of what that looks like. So every employee that goes into the application, they are asked a series of questions. And in the background, it is our algorithm assessing where each individual is at nutritionally, and what their preferences are. So based on these data inputs, our background and our algorithms can say, okay, based on what this user has given us in terms of their data and information, we believe they should be having this amount of calories consumed, these amounts of fruits and vegetables by meals, they should be doing these movements. So we essentially recommend a plan based on what the user has given us. In the medium term, so in the next six to 12 months, we're going to be having a functionality on there where our algorithm can make predictions and recommendations. So for instance, as a result of the algorithm onboarding, so all the questions you get asked, it can then make dynamic suggestions. So for instance, if we deem that a user is stressed, we might say, hi, Ali, you seem stressed today. Here's a 15 minute meditation for you to help de-stress. So we're building algorithms down the line that can make predictions based on what the user is encountering now in conjunction to where the algorithm believes they should go next. Um, so you asked the question, what are the benefits of the organization and the end user? Well, there's a few different um, uh, benefits, so to speak. You've obviously got the integrative benefits. So as part of FitPack and the uh, employee health system we're building, we integrate with their existing, uh, an organization's existing communication channel. So they might use Slack, they might use Microsoft Teams, and we have, our, we have a board of experts. So we've got clinical nutritionists, PhD exercise scientists on our team, in-house science team. So our in-house science team will integrate with an organization, and then employees and HR directors can kind of ask questions, um, booking webinars, so to speak. So they've got that professional advice there ready and waiting. Obviously, all employees have got access to the app 24 seven. Um, but ultimately, the goal for us is to prove empirically that we can reduce sickness days, that we can reduce absenteeism, that we can increase productivity and performance. So ultimately, the kind of value add for financial directors who are looking at this like, hmm, okay, what are the, what's the ROI on this? You know, why should we spend money with you? Why should we sign up with you for a year? It's helping HR teams and working with them closely to say, before you worked with FitPack, what was your sickness count annually? After month by month, quarter by quarter, year by year, we can then sit down and say, as a result of FitPack, hopefully we've helped you cut costs by reducing sick days by 10%. Once we have that empirical evidence, we can then go to our investors during the next round. Um, and then we've got uh, a proven model uh, and not just a hypothesis. Mm. Yeah, powerful. Sounds amazing. And the, the figures don't make for good reading, do they, mate, when it comes to sick days and workplace absences? Absolutely not. It's, uh, and, and I think a lot of it now, especially obviously with what's going on with COVID, and I don't, I don't quite like to touch upon COVID too much because there's a lot of mixed messaging going on um, in the media. So actually a lot of the public don't actually know what's going on scientifically. But what COVID has done is it's, increased mental health problems 
um, it's the decreased uh, exercise uh, levels. So if any time is a time to implement FitPack into, the com into in an organization, it's now because we're moving into an era where there's flexi working. There's part office, like I'm in the office now, you, got, you can see my whiteboard in the background. Um, and there's part home. And a lot of people are not used to having their own schedules at home. Mm. You know, a lot of people are used to waking up, clocking in, clocking out continue until Friday, weekend, Monday starts. So we're moving into an era now where people are responsible for their schedules. So I think if there's any time now to empower a workforce of how to live healthily inside and outside the office, it's now. 100%. Couldn't agree more, mate. You mentioned um, earlier that you did a round of beta testing, so like a year of beta testing. So what kind of data did that show you? What was the results of that and also what feedback did you get from the people that have tested the, the FitPack concept? Absolutely. So um, I'll kind of give a breakdown of what the beta test looked like and what we provided users. So initially we wanted to reach out to our Instagram following because that's where we started operations first on Instagram to just build a, build a little audience. So we posted um, the opportunity to work with us on a pilot study. So the goal was to go and onboard a hundred people from Europe, UK, and USA, ranging from 18 years of age and sedentary all the way to 71 years of age and highly active and fit. And what we wanted to do was to prove short-term, medium-term, and long-term effectiveness of the FitPack concept. So what we did was, for the short-term, we wanted to give users seven-day schedules. So seven days of plant-based meals, seven days of movements, seven days of mindful activities. Same again for 30 days, same again for 90 days. And we worked with a few users for the whole year for 12 months. So what we found was once we compiled all the, uh, the evidence and the uh, analytics, we found in the short term, we helped users significantly increase their energy levels, which then helped them with their motivation. They wanted to do more stuff because they felt energized. They felt healthy, vibrant, uh, vitalized, all of these kind of connotations. In the medium term, so 30 to 90 days, users saw significant increases in their overall mental well-being. So now in the day-to-day -day mundane activities of work, of you know, looking after children, of cooking, a lot of users found that they felt genuinely more happier and content in themselves. That was kind of the overarching um, kind of feedback from the, the, the 90, 30 to 90 day medium term. And in the long term, we helped a user eradicate her irritable bowel syndrome. So her IBS became eradicated as a result. Another user uh, stopped smoking after seven years. So we helped reverse um, a significant habit uh, that was ingrained in her, obviously in her brain. Um, and just a wholehearted vitality, you know, a complete change of lifestyle. Uh, a user mentioned that she now wants to do the mundane tasks that she used to hate doing. So what that gave us was a huge data set. Well, not really a huge data set, but huge implications that the FitPack concept is sound and it's valid. So what we did was we took all the compilations of this data, packaged it into a model, and then I went to go and pitch for investment to go and get the apps on the market. So mm. we kind of wanted to do it very scientifically because we're not, because of the, the realm that we're in, in health, everything has to be backed up by science. As you know full well, Ali, you can't make claims and then go and do it. You are only going to be taken seriously if you've got the empirical data and analysis to back up your claims. And that's exactly what we were doing at FitPack is making sure we've got the science to back up our claims. Yeah, 100%. There's, there's something to be said for testing. I mean, there's so many people that throw things out there, whether it's a coaching program or an app 
or whatever the case may be. And they, they don't test it first. They don't okay. trial it. And I can speak firsthand for this because in, in lockdown, myself and Sarah pretty much launched our online coaching arm of our business so that we could reach more people and coach people from an online perspective. But we didn't just throw it out there. We, we tested it first. We did the same thing, beta testing. We had five people go through the program just to see what it was like, to see what feedback we got, see what results we got. We asked for feedback on a weekly basis. And then that allowed us to tweak and, 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 and improve the program as we went. And now we know that, as you said, we've got a sound, solid product that we can put out to the masses that isn't just thrown together and chucked out there. Because I think that's when a lot of things go to pot, so to speak, because people just throw them out there. I think uh, as well, and that's brilliant that you guys have done that. Uh, and kudos to you for doing that, because it's going to just help you and future-proof the product down the line. And I think a lot of people that want to go and create something that they've got in their minds or an idea they've got. A lot of people are so accustomed to the whole instant gratification thing where you think you're going to put something out and get amazing traction after day one, but it doesn't work like this. It's, if you, you have to have the long-term view in mind when you're building anything new. And the fact that you can maybe put out a little test, get a little cohort of individuals, analyze results, get feedback, tell your audience, you know, be brutally honest here, please, because we really want to future-proof this. We want to make it the best of quality as we can. And by doing that, like I just mentioned, you future-proof uh, for the long-term. Mm. And it's also getting that, I guess, that mean data, that average data, because you'll get some people that will absolutely love it and they'll give you like a 10 out of 10 or whatever. And then you'll get some people that might be a three out of 10 and then a seven, but it's about getting that average data and then, and, and making the best decisions off of that. Because, I totally agree. Yeah, because sometimes people might get a two or a three on something and they'll just take it to heart, but that's only one or two people. The next person might give you a 10. So it's about getting that average data and, and making the best possible changes and tweaks. And, I, you know. and to go off the back of that, Ali, I totally agree. It's about detaching from thinking the product is the person. The product is the product, you're the person. So detaching from taking everything personally and being and coming from an objective standpoint of I want to make this product for my customers the best that it can and taking a very customer centric view um, of that. I mean, I've been studying Jeff Bezos, who's now the richest man ever to live um, intensively since I began on this entrepreneurial journey. I've been obsessed with the way that he builds models, that he executes new products and that the way he fascinates over customers and it, it's important to go out and test the market and get some feedback because if you don't know what your prospective customers think, you're, you're moving blindly. Mm, definitely. Completely agree. So I've, uh, ever since I first met you, I've realized that you're what I'd call a big thinker and you, you, you dream big, you could say. So my question is, is that been something that's always been inside you or is that something that's developed over time and because I, I, I speak to you and I bump into you like walking yeah, through yeah. town and you're like, I've got this going on and I'm dreaming this and I've got a big vision for this. And I'm just like, I just get inspired by it because it's amazing. But I want to know where this has come from. What, what's, where's this big dreams come from? Is it something that's instilled in you or, mm. or elaborate on that a bit more? For sure. I think a lot of it is down to my footballing background and I'll explain more. So uh, I'm a kind of individual that if I'm entertaining something i want to put all of my energy into it to get to a level of mastery i've always wanted to do that um back when i was a little kid um i don't like to talk about it too much but i was classed as a 
mathematics prodigy and I got offered to go to um, prestigious schools as a youngster. And because my love for math, I've kind of taken and extrapolated those skill sets of analysis, of being tenacious with data. I've kind of taken all of these skill sets and applied it into everything. So for me, football, when I first kind of got signed for Manchester United, it wasn't a case of I'm good at football. It was a case of I can mathematically dissect where I should be on the pitch in conjunction to where the defenders are. That's why I got into the gaps and I made things happen with my position is because I saw, geo, uh, I saw mathematically how I need to manipulate my movements based on where they're at. So I guess not just that, but actually signing for United and being around that atmosphere and actually believing that I could do this you know, there's many kids that play football. Every single English kid in the playground plays football. Yet I had the privilege to play for arguably one of the largest clubs in the world and one of the most successful clubs in the world. I think initially it was installed from then. It was mm. like, okay, if I can do this, I can do anything. And I've kind of adopted that, uh, that ethos for the rest of my life. And, you know, at 18, at 19, I kind of got the opportunity to go and study at one of the world's most academic institutions in the world um, at the University of Michigan. So again, that was reinforced that I can do this on a global academic level. Now with FitPak, I'm now interacting with world leading minds in investment capital and technology and artificial intelligence. So for me, at each touch point in my life from childhood to adolescence to now adulthood and in my professional vocation, I've always believed that I can do anything. And I mm. think everyone should adopt that because we are all geniuses in our own rights. And it's about honing in and tapping into our inherent intrinsic motivations and desires. Once we do that and we can find what actually fuels our fire and, wants, and what we want to do every single day of our lives, we hone into that, that is when we can all be unstoppable. And I, I, I truly believe in that notion. What skills do you think then, mate, have, have you took from that professional football environment from being an athlete into the business world what what are the biggest skills that carried over from from that into the other i'd say there's a few key ones leadership is the biggest one for every team that i've played on i'd say 85 percent of the time i've been the captain and that's because of my tenacity of organization that's another thing organization execution strategy building so how do we get from a to b well, a lot of us can say, I want to go to B, but a lot of us do not know how to get to B because we don't plan out how to get to B. But then it's a case of not only strategizing, it's about mitigating risk. So you've got your strategy of getting to B, but then you've got to build a risk management strategy as well to make sure you're not making silly mistakes along the way. So I'd say really my main skill sets from the professional footballing world are discipline, organization, tenacity, execution and leadership most most importantly leadership i think at this point mm. and obviously you've experienced high level coaching in your in your career what are some of the biggest takeaways you've had from from some of the coaches that you've worked on and how do you implement it, that with your team that you're working with now mm. it's a very good question and i've been very fortunate especially at the university of michigan uh, to work with some world literally world leading experts in their field i mean um, Caroline Mandel, who's the performance uh, nutrition director at the University of Michigan, she is fantastic. And I remember when I first got to Michigan, uh, we had a training session in the gym. And after the gym session, she handed out um, some leaflets about uh, fuel to win. And I kind of looked at this like, 
fuel to win. Hmm, interesting. And after that, I knocked on her door and I said, Caroline, I'm fascinated by your realm. And I love the idea of how we can fuel ourselves with nutrition and perform at the highest level. So I think I was in her office every other day for two and a half years straight, picking her brain about recovery, performance, sleep, meditation. Like I was just really honing in onto her skill sets to make them my skill sets. Also, another key figure in my development was performance psychologist, uh, Dr. Scott Goldman, who was actually the performance psychologist for the Detroit Lions and the Miami Dolphins in the NFL. Um, so his kind of premise was understanding how this brain of ours works on a fundamental level and working with it instead of working against it and ultimately putting ourselves in the positions and on the platform to thrive and not uh, contract. So I think I've done a very good job of surrounding myself with world leading experts and being vulnerable enough to ask questions because I realize that I don't know the, all the answers. I would class myself as a smart individual, yes, but I know that I don't know anything actually and everything. And it's, a, it's about being vulnerable enough to ask these individuals who have spent 20, 30, 40 years in their profession to ask them the questions that might seem simple to them, but can make a massive difference to me. So I've just tried to do, to, to do that and surround myself with the right people. Mm. Don't you find as well, the more you learn, the less you know. <laughs> this is what I'm saying when I said I don't know anything is because I, I, you think you know everything. You then get given this scientific study and you're like, this just changes my whole outlook. Oh my gosh. And you have to come back to the drawing board. And I think it's about humbling ourselves as academics, as professionals, as coaches, and realizing we are all students. Mm. We are all, none of us are masters. We might have a domain expertise in one realm, but we're not masters of life. We, we should be students of life and, thir and being thirsty and craving knowledge to bolster our skill sets over time. Yeah. And also it's that being open to, to change and being flexible. Cause you mentioned about the team environment and, and getting from A to B. And the thing is within football, it's the same as, as within life and within business. There's so many variables that can change on a second by second, minute by minute basis. So you can't be so fixed and rooted in your ways or your ideas. You have to be adaptable and open to change so that you can move towards that, that B or that C or that D in the right direction and in the right manner. Totally agree. And I think it's very important as well to, and I've really worked on this the past three years, is how objective I take everything. Because the more subjective we are, the more we're drawing from old memories to make decisions in the now. So what I do is whenever something happens, I don't label it good or bad. I just label it as is. Mm -hmm. This has happened. Detach, objectify. What is the best course of action from here and now to get to where I want to go? So I always now, when something happens, good or bad, detach, objectify, then come back and then execute. And I think that has really helped me sophisticate my operation, especially since, since uh, 2020, since we launched the applications, because now very quickly, I'm on a very, uh, very quick, very sharp upward trajectory now with everything. And now is very important that I maintain poise. I maintain composure um, when things are happening in ever-changing environments, because when I'm going to raise $10 million, which will be this time next year, if my investors smell any uncertainty, or if they smell that I'm not poised and certain in my approach, they're not going to invest. Mm. But now what I do is objectify first, then execute from that, from that place. Yeah. 
one thing I want to share with everyone listening and watching this as well is that these things, this, this progress and this success, it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, I think a lot of people might listen to this and think, wow, he's, he's got this app going and this, this business and it's, it's, it's steamroller in or whatever. And it's happened very quickly. But I think we first met what, four, three, four years ago. And it would have been, it would have been yeah. late 2016, early 2017. Yeah. So like three or four years. And I've just seen this like slowly, like that snowball gather yeah, momentum. Yeah. But it's not happened overnight, just as like me setting up the gym and building the gym and getting the podcast and all that kind of stuff off the ground. It doesn't happen like that. It's just it's a long process. And then also, as me and you are both passionate about working on ourselves, that's a never-ending journey as well. Exactly. And I think it's important whenever you're starting anything new, what you're passionate about, it's always it's pivotal, actually, imperative to set out your store for the long term. If you're doing something for a one year, two year goal or vision, for me, it's not really worth it. You've got to look, okay, what does my life look like in 20 years time? And I think that to go off the point off one of your points, there's been multiple times where I've worked 120 hour weeks consistently. I mean, just to put into perspective, once I raised the first round of investment in November of 2019, so last year, the month after I worked 480 hours in that month. Wow. 480 I remember clocking it up because I remember towards the end of the fifth week I became started to get tired and I was like I should rest a little bit how much have I actually worked recently and when I did when I looked at my schedule and I was like okay I'm starting at half five I'm finishing at nine half five finishing at nine, you know six finishing at 11 I've worked 480 hours these past four weeks and I've done that many times in fact quite recently um, I did you know two times 200 hour week uh, two weeks and a hundred hour weeks. And sometimes you have to put in that graph, but if you're doing it in a sustainable way, like now I might do 80 to hundred hour weeks, but every day I have my gym, I have my meditation, I do my breath work. I make sure that I'm ready, mind, body to execute. So when it comes to doing those long slogs of long days, it's not as hard as just beasting myself and making sure that I'm and making sure that I'm ready to perform at that level. Yeah. I'm going to, share two things that while they're fresh in my head the first one is it's funny you should just say all of that stuff because i was actually meditating this morning <laughs> and i was um i was like getting the downloads or whatever and i was, i think something came through like gotta go hard gotta go ham like really push it for the next couple of years and i was like well how, how i was asking the question to my higher self or whatever well how do i do that in in the the time scales that i work or because i at the moment me and sarah we work monday through till uh, Thursday, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then we like to keep our Friday, Saturday, Sunday as as like our time or whatever. Sometimes, occasionally, we work on a Friday, and like the inner voice or the higher power or whatever you want to call it, it was just like, well, you can still do it in four days. It's it's not going to kill you. It's not going to hurt you. You look after yourself, so why not uh, go for it and gun it? And I think it's it's I don't really like that word balance, but if you, if you are doing those traits to to look after yourself and take care of yourself then there's no reason why you can't go and do like the 80, 90, 100 hours a week. It's when people are doing those crazy hours, but they're not doing any self-care that they're going to burn themselves out. And this burnout thing gets mentioned all the time. Yeah. But I think it's overused and people sometimes use it as an excuse because they're not healthy and they're not living, living the, best, the best life in terms of this, this, this vessel that we've got, but still, they're still not looking after themselves as well on all levels, mind, body, spirit. And I think when you can take care of yourself, you can do what you're doing and what sometimes we're doing is like go, go hard. So to speak. <laughs> I totally agree. And 
I guess what, as human beings, we're so caught up with the rat racing, doing and doing and doing and doing and doing, that we can't relax and take a step back. And the kind of, uh, um, the kind of scenarios that I like to depict, because a lot of people say to me, you know, Will, how, are you man how do you manage to get so much done in a day and so much done in a week and so much done in a month? And I like to kind of uh, dissect it a little bit and tap into the SNS and PSNS the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. The more that I'm activating my parasympathetic nervous system, my resting state, my relaxed state, the better I can perform. So I can go and do crazy hour weeks, crazy hour months, because I'm trying to get into my parasympathetic nervous system activation as much as possible. So I am calm. Just for instance, I bounce from meeting to meeting, place to place, Zoom call to Zoom call, each and every day, sometimes Monday to Sunday, Monday to Sunday and repeat. And what I try to do in transition is breathe for five minutes. Just by breathing for five minutes, I then tap into my parasympathetic nervous system, my resting state, so that I'm fresh and clear for my next task. Instead of rushing around, you know, getting my briefcase and going to my next meeting, it's meeting's done, close laptop. Reset, go again, you know? And I think mm. that's imperative and it's quite nuanced as well. It's quite new, the whole, you know, breath work, meditation type thing. It's been around for thousands of years, but I think now it's important for us as a society to understand we can produce at a high level doing loads of hours, but take care of self first. Yeah. Do you think then, before I ask my question that I was going to ask a minute ago, do you think then you would be able to operate and perform at the level that you are doing at the moment? if you didn't do these in inverted commas self-care practices no chance absolutely no chance there'd be no chance i'd be burnt out after three days no yeah. chance if i my schedule is literally from 6 a.m until 9 p.m most days is blocked out from work with meetings with business modeling with sales pipeline building with so many different touch points of work. It's not just, I go and do the same thing. I might have 11, 12 different things to do in that one day. And if I didn't have my breath work, my meditation, my plant-based meals, my exercise, my weights, you know, my water, if I didn't have the fundamentals for me to perform well, I, I would, I would crash. And that, but I would crash and not recover because I would crash without a strong immune system. You know what I mean? Because even now, every now and again, you know, for instance, today, I'm quite tired today. And that's because yesterday I did a 6 a.m. until 2 a.m. this morning. You know, I was on a call this morning, early hours with an investor in Chicago, because that was the only time that she had, she had available. And then after that, I was liaising with my executive advisor in San Fran, and he's eight hours behind me. So I've got to be uh, responsible for different time zones now as well. And, but I'm tired, yes, but I'm not, I don't feel like I'm crashed because my immune system is very, very strong. So I yeah. might feel a bit tired and a bit lethargic, but ultimately I feel good, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I liken a lot of these practices to almost like, you know, Mario when he like collects his oh, whatever he collects. Well, does he collect mushrooms or he coins? He a mushroom or, and then he just becomes bigger. Yeah, yeah. Or, or Sonic collecting the rings or whatever. Like that. <laughs> These little things are, are, are the things that charge you back up. Do you know what I mean? Whether it's exercise or breath work or meditation or journaling. Yeah. 
whatever the case may be, they, they give you that charge back up, like you say. So you can you can hit it quite hard and then you can use them to 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 refill the meter, so to speak. <laughs> the question I wanted to ask you earlier, which I've still got it in my mind before I forget, was you were speaking about if you're not in it for the long haul or if you're not aiming long haul, then it's almost like what's the point? And my question to you is why do so many people not think long term? What's what's your viewpoint on that? Because we're not taught to. We're not taught to think long term. The societal structure as is, well, in the West, I can't speak to the East because I haven't spent a lot of time there and I haven't got a, a deep understanding of their, of their culture. But in the Western culture, we're taught about now, like here and now. You know, what are you doing now? We're not taught about what's your vision for the next 10 years. You know, if I was sat down uh, at primary school or at secondary school and you've got more of an understanding about your personality and your likes and dislikes, or even university, so to speak, if I was sat down at university by uh, my academic counselor and she said, you know, well, what does your next 15 years look like? Even being questioned that and having that as part of my thought process, I can then be like, you know what? I haven't thought about that, but you know what? I'm going to now. Mm. We're, not, we're not taught how to think long-term. We're taught about instant. What can I get now? How can I get money now? How we're not in the left, left-hand side of the brain, aren't we? Exactly. It's all operational. You know, there's no kind of opening up to creativity about what if. You know, I've built myself a 20-year plan. And that 20-year plan might shift. And it probably will shift and move because everything does move and shift as we're experiencing now day to day. But as long as I'm going towards that true north, that's what I call it, my true north, um, then I'm open to things shifting and changing, but as long as I'm going in that direction. So to, to cut a long story short, we're just not taught how to think long-term. How would one go about visualizing and then and, and making some visions for the future then? What would be your tips if someone's listening to this and thinking, oh, I want to I wanna plan out or, or visualize my next 10, 15, 20 years? What would be your tips for them? Sure. Um, before you get to that point, there's a few layers I think that needs to be done to get to that point of saying, okay, this is my next 20 years. Before you even get to that, I think you have to understand your, your core, your intrinsic motivation. Definite what, purpose. Yes, exactly. Your definite, your sheer definite purpose. You know, what are you here to do? Everyone is here to do something. People just don't know that. So when you get an inclination of, okay, I want to help people, that could be where it starts. I want to help people. Okay, great. What do you want to help people do? I want to help people increase their health and well-being. Great. You want to help people increase their well-being. How do you want to help people increase their well? You know, digging down to the granularities of what drives you. That's number one. Once you've got that, it's then, okay, I want to help people increase their health and well-being through artificial intelligence and machine learning. That's kind of where I'm at, right? So it's like, okay, that is what I want to do. Now, how can you put that into a vocation that can help you get paid, help you feel fulfilled, move you towards your true north? I read a book a few years back called Ekaiga. You might have read it yourself as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's got the, like, the, the, the things you need. It has to make you money. It has to serve a purpose, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Exactly. So I took that book very, very seriously. Um, and essentially, it's a Japanese model about living a ha happy, healthy, long life, essentially, and a successful one. Um, so once you've got your concept of what you want to do, put that into a vocation where you can get paid and remunerated over time for it. 
it's then once you're at that place, you can then plan your next 15, 20 years because then you know, okay, I'm at this right now. My next year might be getting my business up and running and off the ground. The next year might be, okay, I want to take my revenues and make this amount per month or this amount per year. From there, it might be like, okay, great. I want to expand into these markets and serve these people. And then from there, it might be like, great. I want to go and partner with these institutions. So I think you have to get to the granularities of what drives you, put that into a concretized view of what exactly do you want to do with that? What's your job going to be? And then what does the long-term view look like? So it's a bit, a bit of layering to get to, the, to that place, I think. Yeah. I completely agree. There's a, there's something to be said for visualization though. It's so, so powerful and, and, and powerful. the imagination. I mean, I've been listening a lot to Bob Proctor recently, like big Bob Proctor. Fan. Love Bob Proctor. He, yeah. And he's just mad, mad on that stuff. And I think about it from my own perspective and you probably got similar stories as well. I remember in, it might've been 2013, 14 ish. So we're talking what, seven, seven years ago, six, seven years ago. Yeah. I remember going on a business course and they were what they said to us what's your one five uh seven year vision or one three five something like that yeah one three five and i was like what are you on about i was like <laughs> what is a vision and then they started to explain it and i was like oh okay i'll give it a go and i and i wrote out like one i wrote out three and then five i kind of started to struggle with but i got okay. it down and then i remember a few years ago finding the bit of paper that i'd written it all out on and all of them had come true, every Maybe. single one, every single one. And so there's something to be said. I don't know what, well, I do know what it is, but we're, we're not going to waste too much time going into quantum physics and all that and the laws <laughs> of the universe. But there's something to be said for having that vision, having that goal, having that idea, and actually physically writing it down, getting it down on paper, being super detailed and specific with it, and then trusting the process, taking yes. the action, and letting the magic happen. Exactly. And that's the process. And you've, you've hit the nail on the head quite perfectly there, Ali, as well. Uh, there's a concept as, as well that I uh, came into contact with during my early stages uh, of understanding the power of self. And it's one called visioneering. Um, and visioneering is essentially where you're getting a comfortable position. It's very similar to yoga nidra. And for those of you guys who are not familiar with yoga nidra, it's yogic sleep or going into the alpha brainwave state where you're relaxed. You're not sleeping but you're awake. So your brain is susceptible to influence, so to speak, from you know, the, the, the higher self, so to speak. Um, and I kind of used visioneering during my early stages of my entrepreneurial journey, where I would get into a very relaxed state, you know, get my, my breathing down to very low rep, uh, RPM, and to see what came into my consciousness. And when you can tap into that silent space and then start to listen to what comes into your consciousness, they're all signs of what to do next. So like you said, the one, three, five, you might have said, okay, great. Here's my one year. Here's my three year. Here's my five year. What does this look like? Go into your visioneering state. Then you might get, you need to reach out to this person, speak to this guy. Great. You know, I need to email this guy, speak to this guy. And then all of a sudden you email this guy. He responds like, ah, Ali, I was thinking about you last week. Let's get a coffee. You go and meet him for a coffee. He's like, oh, you know, I, I, I know this person. And then they introduce you to this person. And then just magic happens when you, when you work like this. Yeah. Let's talk about some of your, your habits then, and your, your, your daily habits. You've mentioned quite a few already, but what, does, what do you do every day? Maybe what are your non-negotiables that you, that you do to help 
all areas of your life. Sure. So my my morning routine is pretty regimented, if I'm if I'm honest. But it's it's only regimented in the fact that I know what it does for me. It sets me up for success, and I think everyone that's listening today slash this evening, wherever you are in the world, it's important to set ourselves up for success. Um, so I wake up most days at six, sometimes five or sometimes four, depending on what I need to do. But I'd say six is kind of the consistent alarm. 6 a.m., I press snooze. Everyone, press snooze. Don't press snooze, sorry. I don't press snooze. <laughs> I was going to say. Stop. I press stop. I don't press snooze. I was supposed to say I don't press snooze. So wake up. Press stop, don't snooze, because when you press snooze, it puts your brain into, um, what's the term called again? It's brain inertia, where your brain thinks you're awake, but you're asleep, and it changes the brain chemistry. Yeah, Mel um, Robbins has got a great video on exactly. that. Yeah. Exactly. Don't press snooze. So I press stop. I immediately lay on my back with one pillow behind my head, and I go into a butterfly pose laid down, uh, which is essentially where your feet and your soles of your feet are together. You're like in a butterfly position. And I meditate for half an hour and I meditate silently um, just to see what messages come in for that day. It's to check in with my body to see, am I slightly anxious? Because as a result of your dreams, you might be slightly anxious. You might have fell off a cliff and your heart's still pounding from it. So it's important not to get social media out and to check your emails and stuff. I give myself 30 minutes straight away. Once the 30 minutes is done, towards the end of it, I do a breathwork meditation where I do some Wim Hof, some box breath, to stimulate and to invigorate my breath um, so that I'm ready for my day. I then rise, I go straight into the shower. I shower and then cold shower. I know you know full well about the benefits of cold showering. Um, I do that so I, my system's stimulated. I then, I, at this point, I don't touch my phone. My phone is still on airplane mode. I go downstairs. The first thing I do is hydrate with lemon water to detoxify. I then uh, have my lemon water I'll then drink some more water after that to make sure that I'm rehydrated because if you think about it if we sleep average seven eight hours a day we're dehydrated our brain is dehydrated our brain cannot function properly without correct hydration so I then finish my hydration I have a smoothie nutrients or I have an anti-inflammatory porridge so porridge with like you know many fruits berries nuts seeds uh, mac maca powder etc matcha powder um, to give my immune system an influx of plant-based nutrients that's going to energize me and get me ready for my day. Once I've done that, I then have some coffee. It depends though. Sometimes I have coffee, sometimes I don't. I know there's, there's mixed scientific evidence to say coffee's good for you, coffee's not good for you, but I just love good coffee. Like that's one of my things. I just love coffee. Same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, so I, have, I have my coffee and then I then go to my to-dos of the day or my schedule. And I just look through my schedule very mindfully of understanding what level of energy is needed for each task. I might have a podcast where I've got to be, uh, I've got to speak and be not necessarily bubbly, but authentic and credible and honest. Or I might have a data entry session where I'm changing some data modeling around where, I, where I've got my headphones on and I can be a bit more introverted, so minimal energy is needed. So I understand what tasks I've got and how much energy that I need to use because energy expenditure is so very important. If you blast you know, 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 11 a.m., by 12 p.m., it's like, whew, I'm tired, you know? Um, from then, once I've, I've got an understanding of my energetic necessities for the day, 
I then move into working operations. This is when now my body's at rest, my mind's at rest, I've got nutrients metabolizing, um, I've got energy moving through the body, my blood's flowing. I then like to go into working operations, but before that, I do a bit of exercise to get my blood flowing. I either do a short yoga flow or I'll go to the gym and do some weighted activity or bodyweight activity. Once I've done that sequence, and then emails, looking at my emails, looking at the tasks, and at that point, it's 9 a.m. So I like to have a before 9 a.m. schedule. Between 6 and 9 is will time. Yeah. Will time. Between, and, that, and that's Monday to Friday consistently. Saturday and Sunday, I like to relax. I'll still meditate, but I like to be less orchestrated. But 15 hours a week is my time. It's yeah. my time to meditate, get to my center, get to my core, make sure that I'm okay before I crack on. Um, and then I work for the rest of the day. So that morning routine, Monday to Friday, is pretty bang on, mate. You know somebody then that's, that's listening to this and they might be like, well, that all sounds rosy, doing six to nine and working on yourself and all that kind of stuff. But I've got the kids and uh, I've got to be out on the road for, for eight o'clock or in the office for nine or on the work office, virtual office, as things are going now by nine. What would be your kind of tips for them to, 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 to still get some positive stuff in, in the morning, but they can't really commit to two or three hours of a, of a practice? Sure. I think it's, it's important to address that. I've kind of built my lifestyle from scratch in a way that I wanted it. And I knew over time that I wanted to have three hours a day at least on self. And for a lot of people that work corporate jobs, that work nine to five, it's just not feasible. It's just not viable. And I get that. And I harmonize with that and I acknowledge it. So, but my rebuttal to that is everyone can get up an hour earlier. Everyone can make 30 minutes out of their day for self. Even if it's 30 minutes times by five, you've done a good amount of time for personally developing yourself. Even if it's an hour, an hour times five, it's five hours. Five mm. hours times four is 20 hours a month. Times by 12 is 24 hours. You know what I mean? You've got a lot of time over the year if you do it in incremental little bits. So if you haven't got three hours, okay, fine, do half an hour. Meditate for 10 minutes, breathe for five minutes, do 10 minutes movement, start there and see how you feel. You're guaranteed to feel better starting small and then incrementally adding. You might have 10 minutes in between meetings. Breathe for 10 minutes, rest for 10 minutes. You might have 20 minutes after dinner. Rest for 10 minutes, Take, uh, put your phone on airplane mode for 20 minutes, read a book. Like we all have those times in the day where we can fit stuff in. It's just, we have the excuses not to do that because we don't perceive the instant benefits. Do you know what I mean? How I said earlier on about instant gratification. Yeah. When you implement these habits over time, they become profound and they shift your life. It's not gonna happen overnight or with one breathing meditation, but over time and consistent action, you will see the benefits for yourself and feel them. Definitely, and we spoke about that heavily on the, the episode I did with uh, Lunid Lewis, who's an expert in morning routines, and she said exactly what you just said. Is, is it, people want that instant gratification and not prepared to do the long haul kind of habitual changes that are going to make the biggest impact over time? And that that's the again, I can vouch for it. You can vouch for it. It's just it's amazing when you when you reflect on it and think, oh, I've been doing these practices for three or four years, but they've changed the life changing. They've changed my life, and I know they've changed yours and oh, many of the people that we know. Exactly. And I think it's trusting the process. And again, like I said, take the, sh take the long-term view, project into the future. 
and implement a habit. And one thing that I'll say about habit formation as well, because it's a very intricate topic and one that's close to my heart, is habit formation and habit reformation is an art and it's a science. And if someone listens to this thing, it's like, yeah, you know, Will's, Will's morning routine sounds great. I'm going to do it. People are going to fail. They might do it one day, but the next day they won't be able to do it. And it's because our habit formation system and our feedback loops in our brain are not built to go from what it is now to implementing seven new habits tomorrow. It doesn't yeah. work like this. It has to be incremental increases in habits. So maybe the first one is each morning at 7.50, I'm going to meditate for 10 minutes until eight. That might be the first habit. Get that one down first, then you meditate. Then you can say, I am someone that meditates. And you can embody that as a habit that you use day to day. Yeah. I love what he said about five or 10 minutes ago when he said about you've designed it and orchestrated it to be that way. And that is, again, something that's so powerful. And it's something I've been working on over the last few years is, is really, right, okay, what, does, what do I want my day to look like? What is my ideal day? And what is my perfect day? And again, that's another question that we don't get asked and we don't ever really think about is if you went up to somebody in the street and said, oh, what's your perfect day look like? They'd probably start fumbling and stuttering. Yeah, of course. It's a, it's a massively powerful question. And if, if you could just take some time to to write down what you want your ideal day to look like, then you can start to reverse engineer it and design, design your life, so to speak. Exactly. And it's about, like I said a second ago, it's about trusting the process, acknowledging and accepting. Acceptance is a big one. Accepting where you are right now, but realizing that everything is transient, things change. So if you're not happy where you are right now and you want to get to point B, like I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, Great. What does point B look like? How long do you think this might take you? I never like to put, obviously we mentioned earlier on about creating a 20, creating a 20 year plan, but actually a lot of my five year plans are happening now. Mm. Like me working with governmental institutions like the NHS, World Health Organization, and Public Health England. I'm now doing that now. I'm now interacting with these organizations now, but that was my five year plan. So yeah, you know, shoot for the stars and you know, project outwards, but be open to it happening earlier than you expect. Yeah. Then once it happens earlier for you, create new goals, create loftier goals, because then you realize how powerful you are. And actually what you can achieve in a year, you might be able to do in a week. There's some things, exactly. that, I've, there's some things that I've said to myself, you know, this is my five-year plan. And it's happened all of a sudden. It's like, oh, okay, if that's, if, if, if that's happened in a few months and that was five years, then... What, what can I achieve? What, what can I achieve? And then I just set out the stall again and go again. Yeah. Questions are, again, powerful. Like, so, so amazing, the questions. Questions can change everything. There's a couple that Tim Ferriss says that I really like, and it's, it's, it's very much what you just said, is that, what if I only had six months to do this? What would I need to do? And another one he, that I really like that he said is, uh, what if I did the opposite? So yeah. doing the opposite to what you normally do. And I've, I've messed about with that a few times, particularly on emails and stuff like that, just tweaking the, the wordage or the, the, the way I end an email, doing the opposite to what I normally do. And it's amazing the difference and the, and the, the different results that it can bring to you. So questions are, I mean, I use questions all the time on myself, but then with clientele and with, with people that I'm helping and I'm coaching, if I didn't have those questions and that toolbox of questions, yeah. I wouldn't be able to, to, to get deeper and peel away the onions yeah, the layers of the onion, so to speak. For sure. What I do when I'm tasked with a lot of complex, um, when I'm tasked with complex questions to answer, I realize that my brain is the most powerful tool 
that I have. And actually our minds are the most powerful tools we have once we understand how to utilize them. And I realize that over time I will get the answer. So what I do is before I go to bed, if I'm tasked with something that needs to be solved and I haven't got a solution right now, I will write the question, what is da 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 How do I da 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 I write these things down in a notepad and I leave, the, I leave the pen on it and I'll read it a few times over and over again to make it sink in before I go to bed. Because I know my brain's doing the work while I'm sleeping, right? So as I get up in the morning at six, I meditate. Answers. Yeah. I go downstairs, write the answers, email to the person that's asked it. Hi, XYZ. I have an answer to your question and this is my solution. And that's, yeah. and that's how it works. You, you pose the questions, you get it installed and implemented into your brain. You leave it. Don't try and work diligently on finding a solution. I mean, Einstein said it himself, you know, you don't find the answer to a problem with the same mind that you are in. You know, you have to take yourself away and then come back to the, yeah, to the, to the problem to find the solution. Agreed. hundred percent. There's a few more questions I want to ask before we wrap things up, mate. And right. the, uh, the, the first one is, I know you're like me, you're bigger than me when it comes to reading, but you love reading as, as just like I do. And I know you've read many, many books and you read all the time. Yeah. But if I had to ask you if you could only maybe take three books on a desert island with you or like you only had three books to your name, what would they be? It's a very good question. And just to give everyone perspective, I read at least a book a week. Wow. Least. Incredible at least a book a week. And there's some times where I read two books a week. And there's been times where I've read three books a week. I mean, during the, uh, during the initial stages of lockdown, um, I was reading consistently three books a week. And they're not, you know, they're not 100 page little novels. They're 300 page, you know, scientific dissections of a, of a topic. Um, and that's just how I just, I, just, I just love to read, like you said. But if I was to take three books that I've read to a desert island, it would be number one, the Power of Awareness by Neville Goddard, helping us understand from a quantum mechanical level that we are in control of our lives. Like that's the first one. Number two is an old classic. I know for a fact you've read this one. It's Think and Grow Rich. Amazing, best book ever. Think and Grow Rich would be a book that I read, not because I, not because I don't know the content, but by reading it and referring it to yourself over and over and over and over and over, it becomes a dominant part of our consciousness and we start to believe what we read and what we experience, right? So I'd say The Power of Awareness by Neville Goddard, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, and I'd say Outwitting the Devil by Wallace D. Wattles. I'd say those three books would help you affirm that, number one, you are powerful as a human being. Number two, you can create the life that you want. And number, sorry, number two, you can create the life what you want. And number three, by harmonizing with your mind and working with it, you can move mountains and achieve success. So I think those are the three books that I'd recommend everyone to read and I'd take on a desert island. Love it, love it. And my final question really, mate, is if, if someone's listening to this and they, they feel inspired and they're, they're, they've listened and thought, oh, I'm loving what Will's doing and I want to maybe make some positive, healthy changes in my life or follow in your footsteps and, and, and be more entrepreneurial or set up their own business. And you could only like, again, give them three tips to, 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 to put that in motion. What three tips would you give them? Very good question. Um, the first one is believe in yourself. First and foremost, believe in yourself. When I, I was headhunted by the government when I left university and I worked pretty high up in the government at health and wellbeing. And when I said to my friends, associates and family, 
I'm quitting this job and I'm starting Fitpack, you know, with nothing pretty much. I had a brand new BMW I had to give back, um, et cetera, loads of things. Everyone thought I was nuts, but I believed in my vision. I believed in myself and I'm here now. So number one, believe in yourself, believe in yourself. This is the biggest one for, for me. Number two, don't take no for an answer, but when you get no, explore the no, because sometimes there's more behind the no. I'll give some more context. So I'm now speaking to a, a loads of investors, right? All over the world, Chicago, Tel Aviv, San Francisco, Russia, uh, Istanbul. I'm speaking to investors every single week, right? And sometimes I pitch and they say, yeah, brilliant, we want in. And sometimes they say, no, not interested. And it's like, okay, why no? I'm curious to hear more. Because a lot of us take no and we're like, oh no, you know, I'm a failure. No, not at all. Not at all. Detach. Don't take it personally. They've obviously got a preconceived notion or they are taking it a different way or it's just not right for them. So understand what the no is. Thank them for the no because ultimately that no is going to help you get a yes down the line. So number one is believe in yourself. Number two is don't take no for an answer, but explore the no. And I'd say number three, do not attach to the outcome. Do not attach to the outcome. Objectify, be objective with everything. If you want to go and achieve something in five years time, don't cling on to the idea that it has to happen in a certain sequence in a linear order. Go and project that five year goal, detach and execute every single day, tick off the boxes because you'll be very surprised at how magical life becomes and how actually easy it becomes. It's not easy in terms of the workload, but it's easy in terms of meeting that right person, getting that right email, being seen by that right brand. So just to recap, number one, believe in yourself, wholeheartedly believe in yourself. Number two, don't take no for an answer, but explore the no. Um, and number three is, what was my number three again? Don't get attached to the outcome. Don't get attached to the outcome. Yeah, 100% agree with that. I mean, and I'll tag on to that third one is, is, is enjoy it. Enjoy the process, enjoy the process. and the journey. Yes. Yes, while you're yeah. doing it because you don't want to get to that five-year thing and then you get there and you're like oh fuck is this it do you know what i mean exactly. you, want to, you want to enjoy it exactly it's important to enjoy the process enjoy the trials enjoy the tribulations man when i get told no by an investor or where or when a customer says to me like you know this isn't for us or when i get a user saying the app's crashed or when i get someone who's purchased something saying that it's not working properly and not happy i'm really happy by this because all this negative feedback is constructive because ultimately the people that I am surrounding myself with, if they're not happy with their service or how they're being treated in any way, I want to know why, because ultimately that feedback I'm going to then implement into the company, diffuse into my guys whilst building this culture that I'm building. And then ultimately we've got um, good data points, good feedback to then make that a strong point of the operation. Amazing. Mate, I've loved that. Absolutely loved it. I, mate, I, um, it's been a long time coming. I knew it would happen. I was, um, I was looking forward to it and I've, I've loved every single moment, mate. Amazing. Um, and we'll do it again. We'll do it again for sure. Absolutely. Did you want me to mention about a quote? Yeah, we always end the show in the same way with a favorite quote. So let's hit me with a quote or hit us with a quote and we'll wrap it up there, mate. The quotes that I want to leave everyone with and it's one that uh, has a rich and deep uh, part of my heart is be the change you wish to see in the world. And that's Mahatma Gandhi. I took that very personally 
and I live by it every single day. And I think if all of us can live by that quote every single day and we be the change we wish to see in the world, then we're moving towards that true north like I talked about during the podcast. Yeah, amazing. I love that, mate. And just to finish, where can the, the listeners go to find out more about you, about Fitpack and get all the information? Sure. If you wish to see more about me as a, a human being, so to speak, um, you can catch me on LinkedIn. Uh, just type my name, Will Mellers Blair, on LinkedIn. Um, on Instagram, I'm not that active on Instagram, but it's at W Mellers Blair. But ultimately, what we're, what we're wanting to build over time through artificial intelligence and machine learning, that's the really exciting part of, of, of my life, is go to www.fitpack.io. Perfect. Um, and you can read more and have a look about our progress on there as well. Amazing. Thanks so much, mate. I wish you all the success with it. And I know you're going to be successful. You already are successful. What kind of <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Have a good one, mate. Take care. Bye. Ciao. That's a wrap on another episode of the Kinetic Fitness Show. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast episode with your friends, family, and colleagues. Until next time, peace and love.